1: welcome back everybody to wrestling omakase episode number 45 this week i'm joined by i believe the second most prolific omakase guest is what your fifth appearance right this is five times yes so you're now the the second member of the omakase five timers club you're you're threatening jesse for her omakase defense record but welcome back taylor Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to be here. Um, So I feel like you're on here enough. I could ask you like just what's going to happen with you. You went to MLW, right, on Thursday? I went to
0: MLW on Thursday. Um, That was exciting. I was excited because it's at the same venue where the Joey Janela show is going to be in August. And I had never been there. I don't even know if they had run wrestling shows there before
1: did they just
0: announce Bound for Glory is going to be there too? They just announced Bound for Glory is going to be there. It's a nice venue, and it was very well. It was a very well run show. They had ushers showing people to the seats. They had someone in front of me spilled their beer at one point, and the security guy like sprang into action, and the beer was cleaned up in about thirty seconds. Uh, that I,
1: I've never seen that before the wrestling
0: show. That's crazy. So it was really great the show was really long the show was four hours long um which was slightly tiring for me yeah um I i was good it was enjoyable and it was professionally done um which really is all i mean that's really all you can ask for but a lot of times is not what you get the show <laughs> yeah, started know. on time which doesn't happen for about 75
1: percent of shows in new york yeah, you know what, do you know what did you know what I went to last weekend that did not start on time? Fucking Hatsune Miku. How oh, the fuck really? do, how is your singer a computer <laughs> program and you can't start we were all making jokes in the audience? It's like she's a computer program. You don't have to like get her ready. I don't understand. I mean they do have a real band, so I guess maybe the band wasn't ready. But it's just funny to think that like this anime character sitting in the back, like, I don't want to go out yet. Let's wait twenty minutes. Make the
0: people wait.
1: <laughs> that was the weirdest. That was the weirdest late, late thing I've been to. Yeah, she started. They started almost like I say she again. It's, she's not real, but she started like forty minutes late almost. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I've been
0: to wrestling shows in New York. I think I went to one show that started an hour and forty-five minutes late. It was a lucha show that was in a warehouse in Brooklyn. It was not. It was in a weird part of town and I showed up and they asked me if I was in, if I was on the show. <laughs> they were like, Oh, are you a luchador? And I was like, No, I'm just here to watch.
1: Oh, no, the same the same fucking shit happened to me at um at this this Japanese like um I don't know how to describe it. It was like a Halloween party slash concert, basically. I went to last year where it was again in like a in a warehouse, probably not the same warehouse, but in a warehouse and like The middle of brooklyn like by some abandoned like car lot or something and we got there so early i guess even though we only got there like an hour before doors open that people came out and were like are you guys like with one of the acts and they're like no we're just here to watch the show (laughs) and i don't know it's very weird if you show up too early apparently they just think you're uh gonna wrestle or I don't know, play guitar or something.
0: I guess so. But MLW was good and they're coming back in October. So I'll probably go to that show because LA Park's going to be there. So,
1: yeah. So I want to go see LA Park too. I'm probably going to, I really, I meant to go to this show. And then, like, I was just like um, on my feet for these two concerts. You know, Miku, I just mentioned on Saturday, and I saw The Pillows, which are like a a Japanese rock band on Friday, Um, you know, back to back. And I just was so exhausted. After all that and the and the week long of you know of work and everything, like by the time I got to Thursday, I was like, well, the only thing really left is GA, and I really don't feel like standing
0: for another. Yeah, the GA was the GA was packed,
1: so you yeah. would have been. I was standing just really, in a crowded area. Yeah, I mean, I was just so exhausted on Thursday. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do this. And plus, you know, I it's hard to be be to the old girlfriend and like, yeah, I went and saw two japanese concerts and now some wrestling it's like okay probably <laughs> take it take it take it it's probably like fucking take it easy john so um but yeah we, we both been going to stuff i guess we've both been watching stuff you been watching anything interesting lately non-wrestling wise
0: um i finished glow season two i mean that's wrestling related but
1: it's wrestling related yeah I just finished Um, finished Tokyo Ghoul season two. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. I don't know why I never watched that show before because it's so like in my, in my wheelhouse for anime and it's like very edgy, dark, like takes itself very seriously and is very depressing, which are all things I love in, in my media. But yeah, I just finished season two and everybody's dead. It's (laughs) It's like one of those kind of shows where like it has a, a 30 character cast and like, Three characters survive at the end so but i've been marathoning that it's been good we have a lot we had a lot of positive feedback last week to the to the attack on titan talk so i'm like should i just insert like an anime the anime portion An anime deconstruction at the end of- <laughs> i mean i swear to god i got more people like tweeting at me and replying about attack on titan than i do than we usually get for like any of our wrestling topics so i'm just like okay People really wanted to hear about Attack on Titan, apparently, or at least the people who did like were very vocal about it. So this is very funny to me. Uh, but this week we're here to talk about DDT, which is not anime, but sort of sort of can be called a a living anime sometimes. And New Japan, obviously, we're going to talk more about the G1 climax. I figured we should start with um, with DDT because. Unlike with New Japan, we only have one show to talk about here. So, anyone who doesn't care about DDT can skip forward past this one show a lot easier than anyone who doesn't care about New Japan can skip past four. So, seems logical to me. Uh, let's start here with DDT Summer Vacation 2018, July 22nd. That was this past Sunday at Cork. Actually, just like four of our four of the five shows we're going to talk about today, all at Cork. And um, this said, this did announce 1,026 fans. Not a great number, honestly, for a DT Corican on a weekend with a with a title match on top. Um, I don't know if it's just people are not into the Irie thing. I, I would have thought Irie and Hiroshima would be more of a draw. Um, I don't know if it's just the G1 is hurting them. I mean, All Japan did like 1,400 last weekend for like a junior title match and a TV title match on top. So and I, that the number was pretty surprising to me, I think.
0: Yeah, I think there could be I mean, I know there's no crossover or very little crossover, but New Japan running there four times, right? Yeah, all, there four, is... all four shows were at Korokin?
1: No, uh, no, three, shows? Oh, three. three. Yeah. I mean
0: three shows
1: and there is crossover from what I've what I talked to people about this. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna put any crossover between like new if New Japan fans are gonna watch something else. Apparently it is DDT a lot of the time. I don't know why that is, but like I think it's just like the quote unquote like, um, like serious New Japan or Pure Fan or whatever. Like maybe they just like to go have a laugh, you know? So sometimes right. it's like, well, let me do this very different thing. I don't know. I've, I've been told, and they did used to cross over a lot. Like you know, they used to be guys appearing in both. But yeah, I remember I've talked to people about this, and they say there actually is like, like the, the general Japanese smark goes to DDT more than they will go to like a dragon Gate or something. So, right. so it wouldn't surprise me at all. if like three straight nights at Cork and three nights, the three nights in a row before this did hurt, um, you know, their new Japan drawing here or DDT drawing here. I mean,
0: yeah. So that could be it. I also have another, um, and I was going to talk about this later when we talked about the overall quality of the show. It wasn't great. <laughs> um, but I, I don't and i don't know this could totally be me i could totally be wrong with this but uh, manji manji i think has really shifted at least you know to me i don't know maybe to japanese fans it hasn't but to me it's shifted a lot of the um kind of uh how do i say this what i put the priority on as in what I think will be the best DDT quality. Yeah. Cause I think in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about this, the show, I don't think it was really great um, in any aspect. And I think that they're doing such a great job with Manji Manji that I do think that that has superseded these Corican shows because that's, it's a tight, You know, you can get through it in two hours or an hour and 45 minutes or however long. They have these storylines that are very easy to follow. They have a good variety. I think they're doing a lot of things right in that way. And I don't know if there are people who are now saying, well, I can watch DDT every week on TV and the shows are great. Or maybe they go to the shows live and maybe you're saying, "Okay, you know, I watch them on Tuesday. I saw the show. So I don't really need to go to this Korakin where nothing is sticking out to me. I don't know if that's true or not, but I could see if I were in Japan and let's say I had started going to those to the shows live, the Manji, Manji shows that maybe I go, you know what, I saw them uh, last week, so I'm going to skip the Corican because there's nothing really that is, you know, making me really want to go. I don't know if that's a factor, but it certainly could be.
1: See, that's a good theory, although I, I to me that would be a better theory if like the if the main event of the show like wasn't, you know, um such a big match, especially for like for DDT you know, in general, like this this is such a long rivalry right. it's been, you know, it's such a big title match. I I think it's maybe said some very negative things about um About Eerie and his title reign, Um, I think it says to me that they're not really into it because this is as big of of title match as you can get without, you know, in this title reign and they, you know, they just the people didn't show up for it. But yeah, your your theory could be good. I mean, it's also worth pointing out that they have a lot of shows coming out coming up. I mean, just not even just in Manji Manji. Um, The Beer Garden kicks off on July 30th, which is you know a week from today. So you know that's a lot of shows coming up along with Manji Manji. So like. It could be a thing where, like, the beer garden's coming up. It's going to be King of DDT involved in the beer garden this year. Like, it just could have. This show might have gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit, which you know, again, just given the the scale of the main event, that would surprise me still. But um, I guess it's you know, I guess that that just might have been what happened. Um, all right, so let's get into the card in general. Uh, it opened up with a eight man tag team match: Sammy Guevara. Jason Kikade, the Neon Ninja Facade, and Mizuki Watase, the, the you know, they 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 seem to be embracing the e Gun name, by the way, because they can't with a sign that, that said Ira Gun on it. Uh, or or Gun, I should say. And they took on the team of Yukio Sakaguchi, Masahiro Takanashi, Keisuke Ishii, and Katsara Higuchi. Uh, Sammy pinned Yukiya Sakaguchi but a running knee the back of the head in seven forty six. Uh, Sammy, as a result, won Yuki of Sakaguchi's right to challenge anytime, anywhere gauntlet, which would end up being important on this show. Um, this was a match, it wasn't very good. I I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was just a kind of just a match. So, was this your first look at Facade? Had you ever no, seen him before? No, I think he was, on, he was on something I watched, like Manji Manji or something.
0: He like, is a guy who shows up, um, I feel like he I see him once a year. Well, now I've seen him twice a year cuz he's in DDT. He shows up to those weird Wrestlemania weekend shows like the WWN. I think he was in the um the Clusterfuck in the first Joey Janela Spring Break, which mm-hmm. is the only time I've really ever seen him, which is he pretty much comes in and does two or three spots and then he leaves. Um
1: This he was on Maji Manji, right? I'm not losing my mind.
0: I think he was. I think yeah, he was uh, for
1: one episode. Because I definitely saw him at some point. And I, I I definitely have no other reason to see him. I don't watch any of the stuff you just talked about. Uh, he looked like he sucked from those 30 seconds I saw him at this show. Uh, according to Google, he was in a TNA gut check seven years ago. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you knew that. I did uh, not know that. And he was trained by a guy named Super Hentai. Which, Ooh. if you don't know what Hentai means, folks. I mean, mean? <laughs> pervert so <laughs> super pervert um, I like
0: the idea of Ire bringing in these foreign guys I just wish I like Sammy Guevara I think he's I think he's good um, he I think on he, this show I think he has the issue that a lot of American wrestlers have which is they wrestle uh, to hit their spots and they okay. have they have a set number of things that they do every match and they kind of roll through them and then the match can end because i've done my six or seven things i need to do um and i think actually i think mike bailey was a little you know this is back in the past but i think he was that way earlier on and i think he's gotten a lot better and i'll talk about that when we get to the the title match but just running through your spots and saying, okay, here's the, here's the five or six things I'm going to do. That's, you know, going to wow the crowd and they're going to cheer and then I'll get over and that'll be it. And they don't really wrestle a match that is anything beyond here's the things I can do and I'm going to do them. Um, but, uh, facade, I'm. I haven't seen him that much. I mean, he hasn't impressed me in any of the matches I've seen. But mm-hmm. I can't judge. But K- K- King K to me is a, a waste of a. He's a waste of a space. Yeah, uh,
1: and this entire, all, this entire unit has no fucking point. I mean, like, what have we ever? Have they ever been explained why these people are with Irie? I, beyond...
0: I think his explanation was these were the people he saw and was impressed with on his excursion or whatever you want to call it and said, okay, I I need an army with me and I'll bring, you know,
1: X, Y, Z back. I just they just don't feel like anything. Like I I don't I don't know. Like they don't have maybe they don't have matching gear. They don't um they just don't have anything in there. I like there's what is what are they, right? Why is Matase wearing a suit? I I still have no well, idea. I why don't why,
0: understand that.
1: <laughs> I have no idea why Tatsu's wearing a to. Why is he teaming with Irie? Because he said he thought it would be interesting. That's not a very good answer. What does Watase think about all these fucking foreigners? As far as I know, he's never said anything. Why Why are these foreigners all here and you know team with Irie? I, we apparently Irie wants them because he thinks they're you know they're impressive or whatever. What are they? What do they think about Irie? They've never really said. It's just really. I don't know. The entire thing feels really like just... And and again, the unit, like, are they heels? Are they faces? Are they tweeters? You know, sometimes they act like total assholes. Sometimes they... But they don't really cheat like the Nation does. And Irie shows respect to all of his opponents when he wins, which we'll get into again, I guess, in the main event. But, like, they just don't feel like anything. They feel like nothing. They feel like a collection of guys... Who are here and taking up fucking time on a DVT show without any fucking point.
0: And I think at the end of the day, w- that's true, but we could probably wipe it away if they were good.
1: Yeah, that's, for, <laughs> that's
0: true. Too. For example, um, Jason Lee in um, Dragon Gate. Why is he in Maximum? Uh, d- uh, don't really know, but he's been so good. That the answer is because he's great and they want him in maximum. And that's why he's in the group. You know, if people are good, if you wrestle well, the, you know, what are these people doing here might be forgiven. Or the answer is, I thought these people were good and I want them to have my back. And then they wrestle and you say, wow, they are good. So I understand. So it goes hand in hand. Now I'm going to put this out and I'm going to put this out in the universe because I keep thinking this and maybe someone from DDT is listening to this and can make it happen. Instead of Jason Kincaid, they already booked Priscilla Kelly. She was in Tokyo Joshi Pro. She's coming back. So she did something right or impressed someone. Bring Darby Allen over to DDT. He, All right. He's a great wrestler. I think he would be more, if this is a kind of heel, you know, we don't care about, anyone we do what we want you know we're the loners i think he's a better fit and i think he's a better wrestler um so maybe someone from ddt is listening and can make that happen (laughs) hope hopes and prayers um but yeah i agree but i think largely if they were better wrestlers the issue of well what are all these geeks doing here would partially be solved by that and so so i don't know the answer the answer is either get different guys or figure out some reason why this group of random foreigners and watase are teaming together and aren't very good and
1: you know i don't know the answer i don't know the answer to that i will say the one exciting thing from this match was the japanese commentators excitedly saying neon ninja repeatedly that was that was the one good thing from this match but yeah, so K- oh sorry and cage match has their team name as renegades oh i i if, if, that's i've never to heard me. Of, I've never heard of that i mean they they had a big sign said goon, so i don't <laughs> maybe maybe it is renegades who the fuck knows all i know is uh <laughs> i don't enjoy them very much um but yeah, so Sammy won the gauntlet, but that was it for the opener. So this went from that crap to the most amazing thing of all time, which was Takashita's mom flexing her very large muscles like she's Scott Steiner, like cutting a promo about how the, um, the T2 Joshi were, gonna, were coming to take over. or oh, not T2 Joshi, all out Joshi, and how she has a, you know, everybody knows about her son, but she has another secret weapon her her daughter Keiko Takeshita Jr. because you know his mom is Keiko Takashita, but yeah this was this was amazing, and they kept like showing her weight on the screen, which is apparently like like a shoot like 198 pounds, so she she's not screwing around. Takeshita's mom is I, a lot of people on Twitter are like, let just put the belt on her, but. I don't know, did you, did you enjoy Takashita's mom?
0: I did, I did enjoy it. Um, I kind of, in this kind of uh, T2-heated Joshi, all-out Joshi, you know, it's not, I'm not running to my TV or my computer to watch it, but when it happens, you know, I, I kind of enjoy it for what it is.
1: Yeah, so, it's pretty fun. It's usually pretty funny. I enjoyed it. I mean, you know... There's, you could say it's tra- like transphobic, I guess. Um, it, it doesn't feel mean-spirited, which I guess might be the difference. It's more like, look at these goofballs than anything. I
0: th- yeah, I think the only way it's mean-spirited is towards the people doing it, towards the wrestlers, yeah. more than saying, okay, this is... You know, making a commentary on something or the other, it just feels like, oh, look at the, you know, look at Takagi and look at Harada. You know, <laughs> they're kind of they're so silly and doing this. So, you know, I just kind of take it. Compared to some other things that happen
1: in DDT, yeah, it's really not that
0: uh, bad. This is, um, you know, fairly harmless. Although I can see, I, you know, if people don't like it, then
1: yeah, I get. That's I kind of a- the way it goes with
0: DDT comedy, though, is you know, certain people aren't going to like certain things, and you may like one thing and not the other, and it's, if you don't like it, you can pass it by, and, you know, it's no problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally get anyone who who doesn't like it. I just wanted to make a note of it. Um, I always have to say this, but Kazuko Hirata, strangely attractive woman. (laughs) She's just very pretty. I don't know what... Um, The makeup on the All Out Joshi, though, it was just, like, a lot.
0: Like I, I liked uh, Carousel Shoon. I liked that it was a dress. It, it, it was, with some of the others, it feels like they looked in a garage sale and were like, <laughs> "Okay, what are five random items I can put on <laughs> myself to you know that are you know feminine clothing or whatever." Whereas Carousel, it was one full. I was like,
1: "Oh, that's an outfit!"
0: Yeah. Instead of you know. 10
1: tank top shirts. <laughs> it doesn't really surprise me that Shun would put the most care into his female outfit, honestly. But, um, you notice too, like Akiko, uh, had like the, the Lita exposed thong going. Yes, I, the Lita. I, th- I thought that was on purpose, but then like he pulled his pants up at one point And like, so I was like, and then th- the, the exposed thong vanished. So it makes me think his pants were just falling down was giving that Lita effect. He didn't actually mean to do that. But I thought that was funny. Um It was a pretty funny match, ended with Takashita Pin Takagi with a leg drop in nine fifty eight. Did like the whole like big boot leg drop and cupping the ear thing. I don't know I don't know if that was supposed to be because Hulk Hogan just came back or to WWE and they were just they thought it'd be funny or if it was just completely unrelated. But, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because it just happened this past weekend. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, or, or like the weekend before, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I, that's what I immediately thought of, but I don't know. Why, what'd you think it was supposed to be? Oh, so. I didn't think it was. <laughs> I just <laughs>
0: thought it was goofy. Yeah. Well, oh, no, it was certainly that. Um, The move of Takashita who looked like a 60 year old retired, you know, <laughs> woman with the short hair, with the short haircut.
1: Yeah. So that was a fun little six person tag match. Uh, you know, nothing. Got to go crazy out of your way to see or anything. But it was, I laughed. I enjoyed it. But I usually enjoy the AT comedy. So, um, match number three was the Uchi Open Weight Ultimate Title Belt Scramble Tag Rumble. So basically, this was a thing where you you and your partner, you know, you're trying to win this battle royal. It's a tag battle royal. Um, you know, with, with two, a team starting and team coming in, another team coming in, so Rumble style, and any, any, either teammate gets thrown out, your team's eliminated. But, and this is the key the two winners at the end of the Rumble then uh, have to face each other at the end to determine the Uchi Komi openweight ultimate champion. This, this seemed like a very poor strategy as a result for one team in particular, but let's get into it here. The first fall. Uh Super Sasadango Machine and Yuki Ueno eliminated Koki, Iwasaki and Reika. Um Sasodango actually pinned Iwasaki with the um the vertical drop layman shock and as a as a result he won Iwasaki's right the challenge gauntlet. Um so that that I guess was just so because they announced earlier that like all of the the people with gauntlets are not gonna be able to be in the in the um you know in the in the King of D.E.T. tournament. So that was a way to get Iwasaki in the tournament, basically. And, you know, I've obviously no one's going to be crying that Sasadango's not in the tournament. Um, so that was the first fall. Second fall was Kudo and Saki Akai eliminating Sasadango and Yuki Reino. Kudo pinned Reino with the diving double knee drop. And the team, that I think, was most, um, most... Not a good play on the part of Antonio Honda. Antonio Honda teamed up with Alex Ace, who was like this almost seven-foot-tall... Uh, dude from Spain, right? Isn't that where he's from? Spain? Yeah, I think that's right. Now, this is a great idea on paper at first, because it's like, okay, well, all Honda has to do is stand around while Alex Ace eliminates everybody. But, buddy, you're gonna have to fight this man, this giant man, if your team wins. So, either you have some fucking deal with him where he's gonna lay down for you, which I don't think that was true, or you didn't think this plan out very well. But because he looked all happy, but I'm like, you're gonna have to fight him if the two if you win. But they did not win anyway. They they did a pretty good job early on. They eliminated Dino, uh, Dan Shoko Dino and Makoto Oishi by double ring out. Then they eliminated Kudo and Saki Akai by ring out. But then they were eliminated by Soma Takao and Nobuhiro Shimitani. Basically, um, they, they he accidentally elbowed Alex Ace in the face, and that's how they ended up getting eliminated. Um, then Soma Takao the and Shibatani eliminated. Oh, I just said that. And then Kenoka and to Ehashi eliminated Takao and Shibatani. And Ehashi pinned Shibatani with a running body press. And that left them to face each other for this belt, for this title. And Kenoka defeated to Ehashi with the Fire Spear in 1423. Um, this meant that he retained his title as Uchi, Uchikomi's sponsor, even though prior campaigns. Prior ad campaigns or Kenoka at the center were failures. Like they said this, these ad campaigns were failures. And so why the, the guy from Uchikomi was like so excited that Kenoka won and was like dancing with him, uh, you know, to the, to the theme song. I don't know, because it's like, buddy, this guy has already been, your, been like sponsoring your company and it's been a total failure. So what are you so happy about here? But it's DDT. What are you going to do? Uh so yeah this was this was kind of fun I guess. It was alright.
0: Yeah it was fun. I don't really have any I don't really have any thoughts about it. Kenok is awesome. That's my is great. I love go to Ihashi. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, it's he, the he needs fun. Get, he, needs get, he, the
1: he needs to get his one on one match with uh Ricky Choshu. Yes. <laughs> that, needs to, that needs to happen. Um Alright. Then we get into uh, well, actually, before Big, Love com- before Big Love comes out, they announced that Sabu is coming to DDT on the September 23rd core That's a thing that's going to happen.
0: Now, I have a question. If you were <laughs> if you were booking, what match would you put him in?
1: I would have him take on... A, uh, I don't even know. I would have him go one-on-one with Daisuke Sasaki. ECW... No DQ match. That's what I would do. Might be it, it might be a total mess, but... It feels I like the to...
0: answer, but I don't even know if he can... <laughs> he can I don't do even it. know what his wrestling skill is anymore.
1: Yeah, I have no idea either. Um,
0: yeah, but it was quite... That was quite a shocking announcement.
1: But then they announced that the giant panda from Big Japan or wherever the hell the panda's from, it's going to be at Peter Pan. That did get a much bigger pop than Sablu, I have to say.
0: And is front and center on the Peter Pan poster now.
1: <laughs> the giant panda coming to Peter Pan.
0: We'll see if the giant panda's a a big draw. <laughs>
1: um, but that leads to match four, which is a big love special singles match. Daisuke Sasaki against Asuka. Um the DDT Asuka folks. Not the, I'm not gonna get caught doing that again where I said Asuka. Everybody thought I was talking about. No, the one from Wave, everybody. Asuka, the the one who's still in Japan. But yeah, so Asuka, so this match is going to take place. And Daisuke was basically like, you know, what's up, baby? <laughs> she says, like, you really thought I was in big love with you? And Daisuke Sasaki's response was apparently, I should note this is all coming from the DET English update at DET Pro underscore ENG. Sasaki was like, ha, good joke. And starts saying, let's get married. And Asuka says, you're not my type, you're short, your hair is long, and in general, too old for a 19-year-old like me. That is shoot, by the way. She is 19 years old. So, and I, I don't know how old Daisuke Sasaki is. I think in his, like, mid-30s. So, let's see. Is he, like, 36 or something like that? He is. I don't know, he's 32. Oh. That's what the, all the drinking. Still too old for a 19-year-old. Still too old for a 19-year-old, yes. As a 32-year-old, I can, I would not go around dating a 19-year-old. Um, but yeah, he basically was like... He basically said, you know... Um, she was like, you're not my type. And Sasaki said, arg, bitch, I'm killing you. According to the, to the translation. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's how the match started. First of all, RIP, big love.
0: RIP, although I heard the 2,000 shirts that were printed up with big love on them will be at uh, wave shows now. So go to a wave show if you want to get a big love shirt. (laughs)
1: Um, Sasaki did beat Asuka with the crossover face lock in 823. Um, This was fucking awesome. Yeah, there was
0: also that moment at the end where he did, he, uh, Sasaki said, uh, I don't, I don't remember what the exact wording is, but what's what do we say? And usually in the past, it's been big love. And she gave him the double middle fingers and said, fuck you, <laughs> which I thought was pretty great.
1: I mean, this only went eight and a half minutes, but like this was the best match on the show. And I had a great time. I mean, I would go like three and a half on this. It was really, really fun. Um, Asuka's awesome. She did like, she did a handspring out of, out of Iran at one point that put Will Ospreay to shame. And I just thought that's ruled. I don't know what else to say about it. It was a really awesome match.
0: So the thing about Asuka is watching her in Joshi promotions is she's a lot taller than a lot of Joshi wrestlers. And she's super athletic in ways that other Joshi wrestlers are not. And when I watch her matches sometimes in Joshi promotions, I can feel her trying to get a middle ground between doing this amazing stuff she's capable of doing without totally putting her opponents in a spot where they can't either catch her or transition or anything like that. And I loved watching her in a match with someone like Sasaki who You knew he probably said to her, whatever you want to do, I'll catch you out of this. I'll flip you where you need to go. So I thought it was, I watch her a lot and say she's got so much potential because she's only 19. She's so young. And this to me was really showing a lot of that potential she has when she's able to go full out like she did
1: in this match. I mean, she, when she called Daisuke short, I mean, she is like two inches taller than him, according to Google. Anyway, like she's 5'8", which is obviously quite tall for a Joshi wrestler. And Sasaki's 5'6", which is pretty short for a male Japanese wrestler, although he's not the shortest guy in DDT. He's still got a few inches on like Shimatani. But there you go. Um, big love could not survive in part. So, so if, you're, if you're looking to any eligible men out there who want to be Asuka's next love, Apparently, the key is to be taller than five six, have short hair, and don't be thirty two. So there you go. You wanna, wanna hit on Asuka? I remember she was appearing. By the way, at like a one of these like they were having like some kind of like I don't I don't know how to describe it like a lesbian pool party at, at like um, it was like for bisexual slash lesbian woman in Japan and like a bunch of the wave girls were appearing. Yeah, I like, saw that advertisement. Yeah. And I guess Asuka, the the two other wave girls were like both apparently gay, but Asuka Oscar as far as people know, only likes men. I think she's actually said that. So she was like the only straight woman at this lesbian pool party. I just remember thinking that must suck. <laughs> it's like everybody else is like hitting on each other, and she's there like, <laughs> yeah, uh all right. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, she did it. So I guess she, I guess she was all right with it. But it was just yeah. really funny. Um, alright, the KOD tag team titles, Mike Bailey and Mao defeating Tepsio Endo and Mad Pauly. Uh Mao pinned Endo with a cannonball four fifty in seventeen fifty-three. Uh Damnation failed on the first defense, and Mike Bailey and Mao became the sixty-fifth KOD tag team champions. what do you think of this one? Uh
0: I was not really all that into it. I agree. Um Either from an in ring perspective, I was I'm also a little confused by the booking of putting the titles on Damnation and then changing them because I think at the end Mao and Bailey sh- should have gotten them. I think that was the right call, but I don't and maybe Sakamoto couldn't make the date or something like that or something came up. I don't know, but I don't understand why you don't just keep the titles on Sakamoto and Higuchi, and just have them lose this match, it probably would have been a better match at the end of the day, the way Sakamoto and Higuchi are going. And it would have been a bigger deal for Mao and Bailey to beat this team that had beaten a lot of really great teams. So I'm a bit confused on that end, and I wasn't really in much into the match. Um, so for me, it was kind of a double... Double double thumbs down, I
1: guess. I mean, I don't mind the end result because it feels like Bailey and Mao have been, you know, waiting to get these belts for a long time, and you know, they they could have a really good tag title reign here. But yeah, it, the booking is a little weird, and the match was to me way disappointing. um You know, I would go like like two and three quarters or something, and I would have expected like a really good match here. It was just very very slow most of the way, just like the main event was. and I don't know. It just didn't... It never really grabbed me. Um, not a not a great tag title match. But yeah, the main event, the KOD Weight title. Shigehiro Irie defeating Harashima in 25-28 with the Beast Bomber. His third defense, uh, this was Hiroshima cash, cashing in his right-to-challenge an anytime, time, anywhere contract. Um, this was another one that I thought was very slow and disappointing. Up, up to a point, it did... There was a really fun closing stretch, um, you know, not a good closing stretch, but the match was just so boring. And if you're going to, I mean, this to me was almost like a better example of some of the, a long boring match with a, with a hot stretching stretch. And like people insist that's like the new Japan style that, you know, all the matches have to go 25, 30, 35 minutes and, You know, there's nothing until the finishing stretch. This to me was even more of an example of that. Like, there was really nothing in this match for like the first like 15 minutes at least, and to the point where, you know, the crowd wasn't into it at all. I was really surprised by that. Like, I thought if anything, they would be into Irie and Har Harashima after all the the history between these two guys and Irie finally winning after you know losing to him so many times. Just the crowd just didn't just didn't care and. In hindsight, this just didn't look like a big enough time to do this match. I mean, they just didn't. DT, I guess, just didn't have any bigger shows to do it on. But like, they didn't want to wait all the way till Peter Pan, presumably because Uriah is either going to lose it before that or he's going to lose it at Peter Pan. But I mean, just it just did not feel like a big enough stage for Uriah finally beating Harashima clean like this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't work until the end. Um, there was a you know, a cool counter of the samato with with a lariat by Irie, that that stands out to me. It's like the big spot of the match. And they hit two Beast Bombers and got the clean pin. It just just never clicked to me. Like, I would go again, like, three stars on this. It was good to a point, but, like, and the fancy stretch is good, but just such a boring match before that.
0: Uh, I agree. I think Irie has offense that is certainly in this Character he has now, whatever character that is, not really sure. But his finishing offense, I think, is designed to have hot uh closing stretches with the beast bomber and the pounce and the I don't know what he calls it, the, the cannonball off the top rope. Yeah. Um, so I think he's set up in that way, but I think as you mentioned before it's unclear what exactly the character is and what is he a bad guy who is here because he's going to destroy the company and, and mold it in his image. Is he, uh, you know, kind of a doesn't care either way guy. And I think that that, confusion over who this guy is and what he's doing leads to leads to these poor openings when it's not clear what his goal is when he starts the match. Like some guys come in and they say, okay, I'm going to take you to the outside and I'm going to beat you up because I'm a guy who wants to win by any means necessary, or I'm a good guy. I'm going to keep it in the ring and we're going to wrestle a clean match It's not clear who he is, so I think the openings... And I've felt this way about a couple of his other title matches he's had, is that it's not clear what he's doing because it's not clear what the character is, and I think that that hurts the beginning, at least the beginnings of matches, even maybe the middle, which then, of course, is covered up in the end because he's got these great moves, and he's hitting people with beast bombers, and it looks really cool, and you go, oh, this is exciting and you know facing a guy like Hiroshima who's got some cool moves as well you can kind of go oh they're you know trading these awesome moves and they look cool so i'm into this but that first part i wasn't really into because i don't really know what i was supposed to think or feel about what these people are doing
1: yeah i mean like look what we just talked about with his offense too he has explosive offense but like that is that necessarily a great thing like, is that, is that a great strength for, you know, your top heel to have? Like, explosive comeback offense? I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt. But really, like, his problem is that for that long stretch where he's supposed to be in control of the match and in control of his opponent, he's not interesting. He is not interesting beating down and controlling an opponent. That's my biggest complaint with him and this entire run. If you look at the the only title match that really worked for me so far was the Higuchi one, and if you look at that one, it was because Higuchi is such a big a big dude. He they were just able to trade the entire time and have like you know a very similar match to a, like the G1 Goto Ishii match we're going to talk about a little bit here. But like with Iria on control, he does not play a big bully heel convincingly, which is the role he was trying to play here against Harashima. Just never felt like it clicked at all, and he. It's just not interesting His offense is not interesting He's not interesting as a heel And, you know, like you were saying the, the character is not, you know The character is not there, right? Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense what Everything he's doing and how they portray him After this match is over He and Harashima shake hands Like, you know, a total babyface move And then he goes right from that To complaining about DDT again So it's like, just just pick a side with him like just if you want it, if you'd rather have him be a baby face, just let him be a baby face. Because what I, I get wanting to do shades of gray, and sometimes that does work in in Japanese wrestling, but it's clearly not working here because the crowd was not into this match. They're not into him, and they really need to change it or or, or like just drop it entirely. So um, after the match, you know, like I said, he shook Hiroshima's hand. Um, the he basically said. After that, he won- talked about wanting to go overseas to defend the title against foreign wrestlers. Uh, Ima Bayashi basically told him that he needs to know in advance who you'll be fighting so they can authorize any title defenses. Um, Irie talked about the one-way ticket that Hiduti won for winning the DNA Grand Prix. They never used, which is true. He got a one-way ticket in New York and then never went. Um, Irie basically said he'll he'll get he'll, maybe he'll take it for his travels. I tell him a one-way plane ticket from 2016. Probably no longer valid. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think any airline is going to be accepting that, but who knows. Um, the, basically said, he said the overseas tail defenses is another thing DT promised that they never followed up on. Um, Don Shokudino said if this is what ERA wants, then it's Dino's duty as DT producer to endorse it. is like, well, I already said it's going to happen. I don't, you don't get any say in the matter anyway. Basically just, like, again, that is him coming up with a total heel. It's like, yeah, he just said you could do it and you're not, you're being and you're still being pissy about it for no reason. Um but yeah, but this was all cut off. Uh, Dino, I guess what to tell him that he hopes he won't lose the title, but he was in, but then he was interrupted by Sammy Guevara, who tried to cash in his Anytime Anywhere bracelet right then and there. So we got another title match, a surprise title match at the end. Um <laughs> so Sammy cashes in and the Neon Ninja facade appeared to side with Sammy because he was over in Sammy's corner and the rest of Eriegun, Goon, I guess the, the gift Jason Kincaid and, um, what's were over at Erie's corner. So I'm like the battle lines have been drawn in Erie Goon, <laughs> the Erie Goon explosion, which side is Erie Goon OG and which side is Erie Goon elite? That was the big question. But, um, <laughs> i just said like uh, sammy unfortunately even the neon ninja facade on his side was not enough to drive him to victory i thought it was going to be but i mean that is powerful to get that kind of endorsement but EA yeah, did defeat gravare with the beast farmer in a seven fifty four. this was fucking shit um i really hated his little match like it really was not good at all um Sammy was basically, like, just screaming this entire match. It's my bi- my big memory of this match is Sammy Guevara's fucking, like, child looking for his mother's scream. And Irie with this face where I guess he's, he's supposed to be selling, but it just kind of looks like he has to take a shit. Like, he just has this look on his face like he just looks constipated. It was just really, really bad. Like, Irie would look like he was not really selling for the guy, and I don't blame him because look at Sammy compared to him, but like, it doesn't exactly make for a great match when, when Sam- the whole thing is Sammy on offense and Irie just kind of looking like moderately annoyed by the entire thing. Um, but yeah, it was no good, and I don't know what to say about it. It fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh... After after the title match,
0: I kind of thought, okay, the show, you know, I left it up, but I started doing other things, and then the whole Sammy thing happened, and I was like, oh, another title match, okay, and I kind of watched it uh, out of the corner of my eye, and it only went seven minutes, what did you say, seven something?
1: Yeah, 7.54, almost eight minutes.
0: So, it was not long, so I kind of was watching it, and it didn't really draw my attention much, and... Irie won as I assumed he would Uh, and everything kind of went back to normal I guess yeah Uh, with Irie saying oh you know
1: (laughs) Irie forgave him no problem is this motherfucker did he not spend the past month complaining about the the right to challenge anytime anywhere gauntlets did he not like lose his shit on uh, on Dino for it last month. Did that not happen? It did Pretty sure that happen.
0: happened. It so did happen.
1: It gets casted on him here by his own teammate after a match. He just was in. He's like, eh, Sammy, you're crazy." That's what I love about you. We're still good. What? What the fuck? <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense. I hate anytime anywhere contracts, except when my old teammate uses one on me. Then they're good. And almost
0: beats me unannounced <laughs> right after I have an, right after I had another title match.
1: Yeah, uh, he was like, "No problem, man. Whatever, we good. It's just like, yeah, it's very it's very weird, and I really have no
0: idea what is going to happen going forward. And sometimes I think, oh, I don't, anything could happen. That's exciting. But I, now I'm thinking anything could happen. Do I, what do I want to happen? Do I care what happens? I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh,
1: anyway, (laughs) it's, it was a, it was a match, not a good one. I just remember thinking the entire time, like, um, you know, what, the, after last year, last year, the, the surprise cash in match after a main event was, yeah, was was freaking Yoshimura cashing on Takashita. It was after Takashita Ishii, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. two uh, uh, One of my favorite matches of the year last year, one of, one of the most underrated matches in its own right, I think. And followed that up with another amazing match with Takashita and Yoshimura. And now this year, we have. Irie and Har- Harishima in, in an incredibly disappointing match. Um, and then this shit <laughs> as the extra match. So no good, not, not good at all. And a, a very poor ending to what was a pretty subpar show. One of the worst DDT Corrigan's in quite a long time. I think I can't really remember a worse one, actually.
0: Yeah. I think you'd probably be right. And also, also thinking going back to Manji Manji is one thing that show has really not had any of is Eerie. Yes. And the title stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's had which, no Eerie goon, and had, it's way better with that. Yes. Right.
0: Well, they've been, I think uh, Guevara was on last episode or something, yeah. but they're in like the opening match or something, and yeah. they're kind of throwaway, nothing is happening here, yeah. which is a little bit indicative of what's going on when your best show is the show that doesn't have your big title on it. <laughs> really at all and they've i think the only title but you know beyond you know the only serious title they've defended is the tag team title which usually main events the show which has been great because it's been uh sakamoto and higuchi yeah um but it's a bit damning when your champion really isn't on the show and it's one of the best things you do in the whole year
1: yeah i I totally agree it's not it's not a good look. But, you know, I want to stress that DDT still has a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, like you were just saying, Manji Munji, and I want to talk about some of the stuff that's upcoming, because I don't, you know, I hate ending on such a negative thing when it's still one of my favorite promotions. It's just, I just really don't like the Eerie shit. Um, the tag title stuff was disappointing, but I usually enjoy all those people. And even on a show I didn't really enjoy, overall, there was still, like, some funny comedy, and the big love match was awesome. So it's like, if if the title picture was better, like, DT would be fine. But, you know, this Eerie thing just is not working. Well, and they, they
0: put the tag, title, the tag titles on Mao and Bailey, who I think will be a really good team. They didn't have a good match. Yeah. But I think they probably will have good matches, especially um, if they do continue to main event the Manji Manji shows with the tag titles. I think they're going to have some good matches. I mean, I hope that they would have a match – Against sakamoto and Higuchi, yeah. Hopefully. Just as the people who lost and are coming back for the title, because I think that would be a really great match. Um, so at least the tag titles are on the correct people, even though the match wasn't all that great. Yeah, um, I can certainly see the two of them having uh, a lot of good matches.
1: So let's talk quickly some upcoming DC stuff, since there is a lot of stuff to look forward to, in my opinion. Um, tomorrow aka today well most of you probably listen to this uh july 24th the det live manji manji number 12 from shinkiba first ring um you got a couple of no tv matches include naomi yoshimura versus facade i wish i could see that <laughs> one. like i wish i could see yoshimura throw around the neon ninja it's but... sometimes on the it's sometimes on the show they uh, show the dark matches well, i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna check that one out if it's, if it's on there um the proper opener is Toru Washi and Kazuki Hirata against Antonio Honda and Kachisada Aguchi. Uh, then we get Soma Takao and Tetsuya Endo against Daiki Shimamura and Nobuhiro Shimatani. A four-way tag team match with Harashima and Masai- Masahiro Takanashi against Don and Makoto Oshii uh, versus the tag champions Mike Bailey and Mao versus Ishii and Yuki Ureno. Uh, a special hardcore tag team match, speaking of Irie Goon, it's Irie and Jason the Gift Kincaid against Jun Kazai and Daisuke Sasaki. <laughs> that could be interesting, I guess. I mean, it's more interesting than a lot of stuff involved than anything else involving Jason Kincaid. So. I guess so. And then the main event, which to me is like the big draw here, the KOD six-man or six-person tag team titles. Kanske Takishida, Akito, and Shuma Katsumada defend against Meiko Satamura, Dash Chizako, and Cassandra Miyagi from Sendai Girls. Uh, Satomura, by the way, still has a gauntlet. So that's uh if you if you want to know, like basically if she could if she gets pinned here, obviously she would lose her gauntlet. Um, if she doesn't get pinned here, she may tell us what she's gonna do with her gauntlet. Um, but there you go. That's in, that's an interesting. It's one of one of Mako's first appearances. Uh, well, actually, I think she appeared a couple weeks ago. But they we could have new six per, six man tag champions. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one, especially just to see. You know, I'm I, I love Cassandra Miyagi, so seeing her um, in a DT made event is really cool.
0: Yeah, that should be a really that should be a really good match. That's a great. Obviously, I think that's the exact team that usually. Goes over for King of Trios, yeah, yeah and yeah. steals the show about every year. So they are very prepared for six person action. So I'm, I have no doubt it's going to be a great match.
1: So we got three gauntlets left out there, folks. We have uh, Mako still has hers, uh, Hiryu still has his, and now the one that w- that was held by Koki Irasaki is now held by Super Subsango Machine. So those are the red, yellow, and blue gauntlets. Mako's is red. Yurtis is yellow, and Iwasaki's is blue. Uh, thank you, by the way, to, to Dramatic EDT on WordPress for all this information. Uh, Yuki Osakaguchi, of course, he lost the black gauntlet to uh, Sammy, who cast that in. So we only got three, three gauntlets left now, and we'll see what the plans are. Um, other than that, we have the next week will be this, the Beer Garden shows, always very possible, or always very popular, I should say. Uh, it begins on July 30th with Damnation Day. Um, we're gonna have a crocodile death match, Nice Sasaki against Masahiro Takanashi. Don't know what that means, but maybe we'll find out. Um, Shoma Takao produced damnation new member assessment match. So Takao and Shota against Psycho and Chango. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking chat. Or I get is it? No, it's more like Chango. Well, Chango and DDT, folks. That's something. Um, he's a, for people who don't know who Chango is. He's like a a Toriumon, Student, basically. I'm trying to see where the fuck is he wrestle now.
0: Um, He wrestles in one of the top promotions in the world, um, Ymz.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. He does still wrestle in Ymz. His last his last match is July 16th. Um, huh? With Psycho wrestles in Ymz as well. So Chango wrestled. He's been wrestling lately on the VKF shows a lot. So that's been, been his main thing um and then he's also been on heat up uh he's been you know ymz like you said guts world but he got an all japan appearance this year at a battle royal there you go from all that he could he could be the next member of damnation folks <laughs> <laughs> i really doubt it but um damnation then we have damnation versus metal family uh tetsuya endo and mad Polly against transam hiroshi and sagat i cannot wait for that fucking match that's going to be so awesome. Um, but Trans Hiroshi is going to treat us all to a song, I'm sure. It's going to be great. Um, and then we have Shuji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato, the Twin Towers folks, teaming up in DET against Katsusada Higuchi and Yuki, Yuki Uino. Um, even though we obviously know who's getting pinned there, that should still be a good time for big boys. And then we have Damnation versus Nobu Nation, which right now is X versus X. So... Um, that's the first Beer Garden show. The second Beer Garden show, July 31st in Juku face The entire King of DDT first round. All 16 matches on one night. They all have no time limit, by the way. So this isn't even like a thing where they're all going to be like 10-minute matches that go to like a, a time limit thing like at those t- that, that um, year-end show or like a one-count or whatever. No, they just we can have 16-hour matches, folks, for all we know. I mean, we won't, but we could. So i going to go through the matches really quickly here. Kudo versus Akito. Godahashi versus Keisuke Ishii. Mike Bailey versus Nobuhiro Shimatani. Shuma Katsumata versus Alex Ace. <laughs> Six for ten Alex Ace against like 5-3 Shunma. that'll be something. Hoshi Togano versus Yuki Sakaguchi. Yuki Uino versus Soma Takao. versus What versus Watase. Mad Polly versus Harashima, Takagi versus Mao. Daki Shimomura versus Masaharu Takanashi. Tetsuya Endo versus Gorgeous Matsuno. That got, like, the biggest pop from the crowd. Yeah, I got a big pop. <laughs> that went up there. Uh, Matsunaga versus Higuchi. Koki Iwasaki versus Antonio Honda. actually can't wait for that. Daisuke Sasaki versus Jason McGiff Kincaid. <laughs> Yuki Reino versus ta- uh, versus Tano Tanamasuku Toba. And Naomi Yoshimura versus Konosuke, Konosuke Takashita. Yoshimura versus Takashita is the main event of the first round show. <laughs> I guess settle in on July thirty first and get ready for a long, long fucking show. Um, but yeah, that's, that is something, right?
0: I mean, unless a couple of the matches go about two minutes. Yeah, it's very possible. Some of those but... match, some of those matchups, and those people in those matches. Yeah. I can I can see that happening a couple times. I mean, you could have eight matches that are fifteen minutes, and have you know another eight matches that are five minutes. It's just amazing. How many minutes is that? <laughs> how many minutes is that?
1: Yeah, it's so a lot. It's a lot of minutes, but who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's just we're getting the entire first round on that day. Um, there's a bracket until the quarterfinals, and the loft, the the lottery will shuffle a the final eight into new matchups. The winner gets 1 million yen and the KOT openweight title shot at Ryugoku Peter Pan. Um, after that, we have the Shuten Doji and Harashima Day on August 1st. Um, most of these shows only have a few matches so far. So we have Mio Bushikigun versus Gato Move, uh, Saki Sama, Martha, and Yoshiko Sama. She's back against Emi Sakura, Riho, and Mei Suroga. You're like a big Joshi gacha. Are so you excited for that? Gato Move. I am. I
0: like Gato Move. They have started. And if anyone wants to watch Gato Move before this show, they have a YouTube channel now where they put up, it's about a match a week, uh, but it's pretty good. It's totally free. So you can go. And I think at this point, they have probably nine or 10 matches somewhere around there. They're all easy watches. Uh, if you don't know, they all take place in uh, rooms where there's no ring. Um, They actually have an old match up from I think 2013 with it's a tag match with Kenny Omega in it, (laughs) um, which is fun to look back and see how much Kenny Omega has changed. But I'm looking forward to that. Always like when these uh, wrestlers from the smaller promotions can kind of get a chance to mix it up on bigger shows. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it
1: uh but yeah so that's gonna be on the shooting doji and Hiroshima day and then we're also gonna have kudo Yukiyo Sakaguchi, and masaharu takanashi against Jarashiba, hoshi and kashusada jaguchi with poison suwata julie so he's <laughs> the emperor of the snake world has returned to the surface and poisons some det wrestlers it's gonna be something um, then we have the Dino and Super Sasango Machine Day on August 2nd. Uh, Sassadango Machine versus X. The, I like the match title here. Something by Sasadango. <laughs> <And> then <usual, laughs> the usual Sandman match, X versus X. Of course, they're going to do like the whole entrance and everything. Our Lariat Pro Wrestling 18, uh, Ishii, Antonio Honda, and Reka against Katsusada, Higuchi, Matsunaga, and Imanari. Um then we have the all-out day on August 3rd, which has Transam Hiroshi versus X. It says the Transam Yoga Classroom, whatever the hell that means. The, we have Matsunaga versus Kudo versus Ishii versus X in the Matsunaga Formula Drunk Match. And then we have a double main event of Shuma Katsumata versus Violento Jack from, uh, <laughs> from Freedom. And Konsuke Takashida versus Kushinibo Kamen. Yes, the Clown, everybody. The Clown is here. Um, and There's, there's going to be, like, a after that, the, the final show. Um, oh, actually, no, there's even more. Wow. August 4th has the Tokyo Joshi Pro Beer Garden. We're going to have, like, a tag ta- a tag tournament, a one-night tag tournament. We don't have teams for that yet. It doesn't look like. We just have participants, which is, like, most of the rosters you'd expect. Um, Saki-sama and Martha are going to be facing Azusa Christie and Yukio St. Lawrence in a non-tournament tag match. Um, basically, it's because Azusa Christi is really tired of Martha being too close to Saki-sama. So, um, it's going to... Basically, we have another thing here. We have Neo Bishiki Goon OG versus Neo Bishiki Goon Elite. So, a split is happening. Um, and then finally, we have a Basara fighting gar- beer garden. But, I've read off enough matches and who fuck cares about Basara? <laughs> um i tell you the main event for the dove world title naoki tanazaki against Fumanoi abe so there you go um but yeah so that's the beer garden shows a lot of fun stuff all the stuff not involving Irie, who hopefully will be in america or something fuck right off and leave us to have fun since he hates DBT so much now just leave us alone buddy anything i'm looking forward to there especially taylor
0: Oh, uh, the Twin Towers tag match probably yeah, is the number awesome.
1: one. Yeah, it's going to be um, awesome.
0: But I like shows like this where it's, you know, you get different people in, people you don't often see, people from different promotions. I think those are always fun matches, even if they're not the greatest, you know, if they're not the greatest star-wise or quality, quality-wise, quote-unquote, you know, they're always fun, and especially in a company like DDT that usually – uh is pretty good at having fun i think i think there's going to be a lot of good shows and i'm i'm certainly going to try and watch all of them um all the way through
1: so me too it's going to be hard with the g1 too but you know who needs a social life all right so the g1 yeah what a great transition so we have to get through four shows we spent an hour on ddt somehow which i didn't think we were going to do so can we get through four shows in an hour let's see we're only going to be covering G1 matches. Some of this stuff has been talked about to death, so maybe we don't have to cover it that heavily. But we start on, oh god, what date is this? July nineteenth, which was this past Thursday, I believe. Right? Yep, this past Thursday. Cork and Hall, a B block day. Um, the first G1 match was Sonata and Tamatanga. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to talk about this a few times over the course of these four shows, but, um. I assume you're probably on the same wavelength as me. I'm really fucking sick of this fucking Tonga running bullshit. Um, it's just every show. It's just never... I mean, I guess it's, you could say it's building a little bit and that the the refs are getting progressively smarter and, like, progressively less... Um, you know, let, have progressively less patience for their shit. Like, the, Marty Asami kicked out Tonga lower here after, like, one clothesline. But, like, at that point, it's just, like why not just fucking kick him out immediately? What is he out there for? You know, like, it, you really can't be like, okay, buddy, the last five times you've come out here, you've gotten physically involved, but this time, you can, you're you obviously not going to do it. Um, I just, I really, like, Corkum is just dead for this, and you know, Sonata is very popular, so he's not the problem here. Um, you know, just not, not a very exciting match. The, you know, there was a ref bump, Bullet Club ran in, you know, it makes you wonder where the fuck is LIJ. But then Sonata didn't need them anyway because he just kind of like ran Tamatanga into Tonga Loa, rolled up Tamatanga with a rolling back clutch and got the pin. Two stars, not very good, and a running theme for Tamatanga in this tournament.
0: So I'll say this one time, and it'll cover all the Tamatanga matches. I am someone in wrestling. I don't like interference Definitely. in general. Um, it annoys me, uh, generally, but especially in something like the G1. Now, look, there's things like Yano, and Yano's going to come in and he's going to hit people in the nuts and you know do whatever he does. That's a different thing for yeah. me because that's kind I of his me. character. I and also, we're
1: I'm
0: talking about three minute matches with you know Toriano, who's never, who's probably never going to win the G1, so that doesn't matter to me. This thing with the run-ins every every match, the thing it does to me almost, I I guess I'll use the word psychologically, is I watch the match and I can almost not focus because I go, well, the match is not going to matter in five or ten minutes because someone's going to run in, the ref's going to get bumped. So none of this really is going to matter. It's not going to make any difference. The match is not going to end until someone runs in. So... I I don't have to watch that closely because I know no one's going to get pinned. And it just – I hated it uh, – was it last year with suzuki Goon? They interfered a lot, which I hated. I'm I'm someone – and this may make me a snob, but in the G1 especially, I'm someone the least interference shenanigans you can do, the better it is for me. I want to see good matches, and matches with interference to me are – Not good, unless you really have something that you can justify and say, okay, this is why we need the interference here. We need it because X, Y, Z, it's completing some story. But obviously this is not. It's the same thing happening every match. They run in, oh, the ref, oh, we're fighting the ref. The ref throwing us out. We're doing all these things. And I'm just – maybe if it happened once, I'd go, oh, what's happening? If it's
1: going to happen every single match, I've seen it. I don't care. Yeah. Just move on. Can I, I, I love that you brought Toriano too because I've seen a few people on Twitter like point out, you know, this number of matches in the G1 so far have had interference or shenanigans or, you know, cheating or whatever. To me, they are two separate things. If you have a guy like Toriano or Jay White, those are the two people really doing it in this G1, who wants to fucking cheat on their own, even if it involves like the ref out of position or the ref bump, I'm way more okay with that that I am with the interference shit. It's like a guy being a heel by himself. At the end of the day, he's still acting on his own. He's still winning the match by himself even if he's, you know, cheating along the way. That never has bothered me in wrestling nearly as much as interference. Maybe I'm the only one who makes that kind of distinction, but it just does not bug me at all to have a guy, you know, cheat. Like people fucking cheat in lots of sports, okay? Like there's fucking baseball players who are fucking around with their baseball and their grip and like the, the shit they put on like that pine tar shit they occasionally get busted for. Like that happens in real sports. People try to cheat and try to get away with shit. I can buy that to an extent more than I can buy. What doesn't happen in baseball is a guy on the fucking bench who's not involved in the game, running out of the fucking field and making a catch or like tackling the guys running the bases. You know, that does not happen. So cheating is one thing. Cheating happens everywhere. People are always going to see what they can get away with. I get that. People not involved in the fucking match getting involved. That is fucking stupid to me. It always has been always will be. So, well, it's also
0: weird in a year where Yano is doing probably the most wrestling he's ever done. <laughs> that's
1: true. Too.
0: Like being very good wrestling very well, at least in my opinion. So it seems yeah, weird different. to say, well, Yano is doing it. So, you know, just because one person does it doesn't doesn't make it a blanket okay for every single you know person to do it. Doesn't mean it works in every situation. Do you
1: not agree with me though? There's a difference between I do. And yes. Yeah, I just this is how I feel. So I like to me don't equate the two. They're two different things. Um, I think the, the fucking interference shit with the Tongans is just so fucking terrible. And even when Suzuki did it, it wasn't every goddamn match. Like it has been with the Tongans. Yes, I don't true. remember how many matches it was. It was like three, I think, or something. This it was like this is every fucking match. So that, to me, it's the, it's the, the fact that it's every night with Tamatonga and with Bad Luck Fale, it makes the G1 look stupid because they keep getting disqualified. Like Tamatonga put out a fucking picture of himself, you know, giving Red Shoes the, the gun stud saying, fuck a G1. And that's fine. You you know, you're trying to be a hero, or whatever. But like, why not just throw him out a fucking thing then? Why, if you're New Japan, you have him in a a tournament and he is showing over and over again that he does not care about trying to win this tournament beyond, you know, enough to stop the blatant run-ins right in front of the ref and even like attacking the ref, why not just throw them out of the tournament and have all their their opponents win by forfeit? Like it doesn't, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's not, it's not good. And I'm tired of sitting through it. So we'll have to keep talking about it, unfortunately, but there you go. That's. My little mini Tama Tonka The only good thing Tomatonga has done recently is be a heel on Twitter by telling some troop he wished he died. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, when I saw that exchange. <laughs> like, that's how you be a heel on Twitter. Not, not fucking uh, uh, Champa's early 2000s E-fed edgelord act. No, it's uh, tell a troop you wish he died instead of his fallen comrades. I was like, wow. Um, Alright, so match number seven. Zach Sabre Jr. defeating Toriano in ten thirty four with a modified European clutch. This was awesome, um, mostly because Yano like he like exchanged amateur style grappling with ZSJ, and like he was out wrestling Zach Sabre Jr. <laughs> for well, like, he a
0: did that, he did that.
1: He did that belly
0: to belly too, which he yeah. did against Ishii, and which like was the great. Cover- I was like,
1: ah. Oh. <laughs> um, and then Yano was like prepared for Zach's low blow counter this time. Which is not when like Zach like like stopped his low blow with his legs. Like Yano countered that, but then Zach pulled that with his ping combination anyway. So, um, but yeah, this was really fun. I went, I went three and a half on this.
0: I think I might have gone. What did I go? Now I'm gonna look at my hmm. uh, look at my list. I think I might have gone four. Did I go four?
1: I awesome. did go four. I, I went I four. I, I really liked you. it. Yeah.
0: Got that G one fever.
1: Given uh, four stars <laughs> run up stars but yeah this is awesome um then we had juice robinson and kota Ibuchi. kota Ibuchi beat juice robinson in 1303 at the Kamagoe. um so this like to me it wasn't that great early on but it really picked up towards like the middle to the end the, the there was like a rana off the apron at one point and then like um the moonsaw off the post it was just insane and, you know, I, by, by the end of it, I was really into it. And I would go like three and a half again, even though the early the early part of the match, I wasn't really that into it.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. I liked it more than you. I gave it four and a fourth. I think it's two guys. Ibushi and Juice are probably in my top five guys in New Japan. So I was probably more into it from the outset. As you said, that moonsault off the post with very little room for error on abushi's part in terms of hitting that railing uh, was really crazy. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's the spot of the match. That's the thing I'll probably remember from it. Looking back in, you know, six months time when you say, Oh yeah. The one where he did the moonsault off the post, but it's just two guys. I, you know, two faces going at it. You know, I love juices whole thing. So, uh, as I said, I was probably predisposed to really enjoy it, and I did.
1: So. Then we had a semi-main, Naito defeating Ishii in 1913 with the Destino. Um, I've always been the mind, and you know, I, I greatly prefer him anyway, so it's not that, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. But I love the naito Ishii matches even more than the omega Ishii matches. Last year's the G1 was kind of disappointing, though. Like I thought they didn't really have, have as good of a match as I was expecting, but they fucking made up for it here. Like, this match was incredible, I thought. Um, so I'm just going to go through some of my notes on this. Like, Naito just, like, absorbed Ishii's chops at the start and just was, like, spitting at him and smiling. It was just awesome. And then he went, like, full Rudo with the boot scrapes in the corner and, like, shoving Red Shoes away. But then Ishii did it right back to him. Like, also just, like, putting him in the corner doing the boot scrapes like a total dick. So they were basically just trying to outdick each other. And then again, that happened again when Naito was, like, you know, he did a top of the head slap to Ishii, which like just set Ishii off. Like he started doing these angry like throat chops. And like Corkin at this point is just like they are like just gasping every single time and just like losing their shit for these for these throat chops. And you know, the English commentators doing a great job putting these over. It's like super fucking painful. Um there's like another great sequence where Naito missed a flying forearm she dropped him with a German, and then he hit a Lariat, and then Naito just, like, gets to flying for him out of, any, out of nowhere anyway. Um, Naito did this crazy flip sell on the Discus Lariat. Is she pulled out a last ride, which I can't the last time I saw him do that, and Naito got that, like, glazed look in his eyes, like almost nobody else can do that as well as him. Um, Ishii had, like, two more Lariats, one that, like, Naito took, like, right on the back of his head because it's not a Naito match unless he takes a bunch of moves on the back of his head, uh, which was like a crazy near fall. Um, Naito, see, then went for the brain buster. Naito turned it into Destino. Cork at this point was just like losing their mind. And then he hits another Destino for the pin. Um, Four and a half stars on this. This was fucking awesome. I love both these men and I love them together. And I thought this, this was incredible.
0: I was the same. I was at four and a half. I almost went four and three fourths, but I changed my mind at the last second. The it, thing was that, close
1: for, it was closer. close for me too.
0: The thing that's I mean, the thing that will stick out about the match is Ishii just chopping the shit out of Naito for a <laughs> for a very long time. And chops that seem, you know, some chops are very loud uh, and seem painful, some chops are not, but they just seem like they were just thudding impact to me, and just the chops where you go, oh, you just kind of shiver. And then there was that moment near the end where Naito dumped himself on his head on the lariat. And I was like, oh, you're...
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> he finds, well, Of like, course. Of course he, he finds would do that. so many ways to, like, take a fucking bump on his neck. It's horrifying, but, like, this... Like, I, I will always point to him taking that fucking... That super German thing from the Gold Lovers on Kenny's stupid video game show. And, like, people think this man is lazy. It's like, are you fucking out of your minds? It's like, you talk about, like, falling for a work. Like, Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Naito, you know, he shoved down Red Shoes after the match, too, which is great. It's almost like he's got his, you know, ungovernable groove back, basically. Um, but, yeah, like you were saying, this was awesome. We'll talk about Naito again with the juice match, but he's killing it here. Uh, then the main event, Hiroki Goto and Kenny Omega. Kenny pinned Goto in 1929 with the one-linked angel. Why don't you talk about this one first? Because I have a feeling you probably liked it more than I did. Uh, I liked it. So it's so funny hearing you talk through these matches
0: because I have my... I have, you know, some notes, but a lot of them are just kind of the rankings. And there's so many matches and there's so many good matches that sometimes I go, oh, I really like that match. And I go, (laughs) what did I like about it? And I go, well... (laughs) And I don't you know, on other shows where it's maybe a show and it's the first show you've watched in two days or something like that. And you see the main event and the main events, the big match. And you remember all it's like, there's so much good stuff yeah that it almost comes together in a, you know, it's, it all blends together in a way, which makes it sound like it isn't good, but it's all so good that it's like, Oh yeah, I love this match, but what, what did I love about it compared to you know the Naito match? Um, I did like it. I gave it four and a half. I would put the Ishii Naito match as match of the night.
1: Yeah, over it. That, yeah.
0: I think it was. I think it was uh, a degree better. Um, I again like the Juice Ibushi match. I think Goto and I actually one of my first articles that I ever wrote for Voices of Wrestling was about. Hiroki Goto, about how he's so good, chronically underrated, almost by you know the fact he never is going to have a big title beyond the never, yeah. or maybe another run with the Intercontinental title if he can even get there, which at this point I don't know that he ever will. But he, <laughs> to me, is so good, and we'll talk about it with another match coming up, He's great, and he and Ishii are two guys in the G1 where you look at them and you say, you know, it's almost a benefit for them to go in and say, we don't have a story, you know, like Okada who's doing the story of, I'm a sad sack guy who lost his title, or Jay White who's saying, you know, I'm a heel and I'm going to cheat. They have no story, so the only option to get attention is to go out and have great matches. Yeah. That's really the only option and they do it every year. Yeah. So, I mean, and to me, I know, or I think I know that I'm probably a bigger Omega fan than you. Yeah. Taking a a wild stab. (laughs) Um, I just love Omega's offense. It always, to me, the knee strikes always look vicious. I know he spams them near the ends of matches, but you know to me, it's just two guys going out in the main event at Corkin of a very good show and certainly didn't end the show i I think you would agree even though you probably didn't like it as much as I did didn't end the show on a on a no. down note
1: no not at all um, um, what I would say about Omega um, in general, there's a weird little backlash going on him now if you look at Twitter, and i think i I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I think sometimes people hear me talk and might think I don't like him. I think his offense is good, too. I Like, that isn't the problem I have with him. The problem is more, um, you know, like, his selling that I have a problem with. Or I thought he really, and his facials sometimes look so fucking goofy that they completely take can take me out of the match. And to a degree, that is what happened here, um, you know, where he, like, I just tweeted something like if Kenny would take his facials, would dial down his faces from like a 17 out of 10 to, I don't know, like a 14 out of 10, then maybe I would like this match a lot more. But like just that would be my big complaint is like he really just like, I don't know, like he just, his facials are really, really hideous. Sometimes just very cringeworthy, you know, he has that acting like kind of um, quality to him. And you know his selling is not very good a lot of the time. Like either it's too much in one direction, or it's you know. He... And and his, the big big problem is his match structure, um, which I'm gonna go. There's a spot here that that really I can point out, but I will point out something I really liked, which is um, Goto like was behind the barricade. This is like pretty early on, I think, when Kenny was going for that really really like that enormous dive he does now, like over, from the inside of the ring to over the barricade, and Goto just took a chair and threw it at his head. Oh yes, and I like, did like that. And I was like, Yes, finally somebody instead of just fucking standing Because it take Kenny so long to set this dive up, much longer than it takes to set up a normal dive. And like finally someone just threw a fucking chair at this motherfucker's head, did something ex- except stand there and wait to get dove on. I mean again, you can make that critique about all wrestling dives, but the Kenny the Kenny one it just takes so long to set up. That can look pretty stupid. Um But, yeah, so the – so okay, so here's – I mean, the other big problem I can have with him is his match structure sometimes, which, you know, the the Kenny Cody match, I'm not going to go into that again, but that was a big example of a match structure problem. And here, you know, Goto hits that avalanche code red, which is, like, one of the most absurd, like, non-finishing moves in wrestling. That thing looks like death. And it usually at least gets a near fall or something. But they go straight from that spot to a strike exchange. Kenny, in these matches, puts these strike exchanges in the dumbest possible spots when he should be selling or something. all of a sudden just, like someone will just recover and they'll just be exchanging strikes like nothing happened. And you know again, that's a critique you can probably make about a lot of pure pure resu. but I feel like with him, it's just you know, he just does it more flagrantly than most people. It's just too much for him, and it's so consistently an issue that I notice in his matches. So that's the kind of stuff that really like takes me down a little bit. Um, you know, the other big issue I had this match was never really feeling like Goto had a chance to help winning it, even though I was watching unspoiled, um, which always takes down a match a little bit for me. I still want four stars, you know, four flat on it, so it's not like I didn't like it. Thought it was a very good match, but those are some of the flaws I had with it. And I think Goto has a much better G1 match coming up in a couple days here. But yeah, this was really this was still a good match to me. Nowhere not as good as Nightown and Shea. But Dave Meltzer disagreed because he gave it five stars somehow, so yeah and i heard
0: suffering. I heard he had given them did he give just the Omega match five stars
1: yeah i think he I think he gave Naito Ishii four and three quarters okay. which is still higher was still higher than I had that match, but i can I can understand that a lot more than five stars for uh Koto and omega
0: yeah Sorry. i can i was i was at four and a half, and to me that four and a half is not close to five for me. So I'm probably closer to your boat than to a five-star boat. Yeah. Um, So, and I think the thing you said about Omega, you know, the criticisms about Omega are, they make sense and they make sense at this point when he's now champion. You know, I think you become the champion of this company and the spotlight is a little bit stronger than when maybe you're climbing up or coming back down. I mean, I know... Um Okada went through the same thing where you say Oh there's a you know a backlash coming, and there was a backlash for okada yeah
1: which, and I which think has, it's has dissipated now <laughs> he dissipated because he doesn't have the uh, title, but yeah. I think
0: it's natural because you're saying this person you know you can make the argument in terms of in terms of wrestling i 'm talking just wrestling here you're saying this person is the best wrestler in the world in a way yeah what the belt says and so i think it's natural that you know people are going to look at it and have criticisms which are all valid um but i just think it's part of being in that spotlight of having the title and having the spotlight a little bit stronger you know kata doesn't have it anymore so now you can kind of relax and just say oh this is a you know this is just a guy. He's really good. He's in this company. I really enjoy him instead of saying, Oh, is this the guy? Is he the best wrestler in the world? Is he the best wrestler in the company even? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of competition. So, so that makes sense to me. I totally understand where you're coming from.
1: So that was the first night at Corken Hall, another outstanding B block night as the B block has been outstanding throughout this entire tournament. Not, you know, not at all a problem. But that moves us into July 20th, uh, at Cork, the second night at Cork and the second of three, which was an A-block night, which has been more up and down. Um, I've seen some very – I'm going to be interested in how much we agree and disagree because the A-block, I've heard um, a lot of other people who seem to really really enjoy these shows. Um, I know on this podcast network and on the, the Joe Lanza like daily reviews on Patreon, he seems to like he, he really enjoys them um i've seen some other people on the vow reviewers some of them seem to really enjoy them i feel like i'm not at that level there's been stuff on these shows i've enjoyed but overall these shows have been just there for kind of there for me if we're going to the matches um but yeah so what what, interesting to see if you agree with me or you agree with you know some other people um it opened up here with jay white and michael elgin jay white defeated elgin in 1744 at the blade runner um this was one that i saw people liked a lot but it just didn't click for me i thought they were weird, weirdly clunky at the start like they were really on separate pages um like at one point like they missed like catching a chalk really badly it just looked really weird um like there was i don't know like they 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 kind of like there was a cool spot where like Elgin got way too wacky with like his spot where he's like i'm gonna stand on these two chairs and try to suplex you over the railing and then Jay like kind of just made him pay with a very simple counter, just like pulling a rib first in the railing, and like punched him on the floor from there. So that that made sense, but then when it got back in the ring, it just felt, felt slow and pointless to me. Um, it didn't really feel right for White's right for White's character that he's so willing to just go face first into these strike exchanges with such a more powerful dude. Other people point out to me maybe that's because he's cocky because he's coming in having just beaten Okada and Tanahashi. And I guess you could say that, but I just missed when White was like actively trying to dodge strikes earlier this year, instead of going into these strike exchanges, it made him stand out a lot more in new Japan. Um, but yeah, there was like a, there was like a weird little botch in the apron. They just kind of fell. It looked like if it wasn't a botch. Then it looked really bad. Um, you know, I would, I wasn't that Jay like was finding a new way to bump the ref every single at the last possible second, every time. But um, but yeah, it was the finishing stretch was really good. There were some good stuff earlier, but long stretches that really bored the shit out of me. So overall, I just said it was three and a quarter. That that was a tough one to rate for me. Um, the rumblings I saw of well, trying to say spoiler free of people like really loving this match did confuse me a little bit. So I'm interested to see what you thought of it.
0: So I was not hugely into it. I think I was probably close to where you were. Um, that weird thing on the apron that stuck out to me and it seems like a weird pattern in these Elgin G1 matches where he's got some power spot and something goes weird like it doesn't go very wrong but it seems like I always think oh that didn't go the way it probably should have gone and it seems to be a weird pattern and this was just another one of the pattern there's one coming up in the uh, Yoshihashi match as well. Um. So I've been thinking a lot about Jay White because I like him. I like him as a wrestler. I like his character. I like the Juice Match at the G1 Special. Yeah, and I love,
1: I love that match too. Yeah.
0: Tell me if you agree with this because I've had, I haven't loved his G1 matches. And I think I liked it,
1: them more than you did before this one because I went like three and three quarters on the Okada one, and. I think I'm at four flat on Tanahashi, maybe even four and a quarter. So.
0: I think I was probably around there, but i mean, at least for me, when I think oh, wrestling Okada and then wrestling Tanahashi, I'm not thinking, Oh, a three and three three fours and a four star. That's, true. you know, unless it's Makabe or something like that. Yeah. But my thing is, and tell me if you agree with this. I don't know if you will. I think, Sometimes the character, the Switchblade character, is overwhelming his ability to perform in the ring in a similar way that when Naito first came back with the Ingobernables character, and everyone was like, wow, this is great. He's you know jumping off the apron during tag matches, and he won't tag in, and everyone thought, oh, this is such a great character. And then he got in that feud with Shibata, and everyone thought the matches were going to tear down the house and the matches weren't that good. Mm. And everyone was sort of confused. And I think that was because Naito at the time was so in that character of, I don't care about any of this, that he couldn't wrestle well because a character who doesn't really care can't wrestle that well because why is he res- why is he wrestling hard? Why is he working hard if he doesn't really care about any of this? Yeah. And Naito figured out that middle ground of, oh, I can throw in this thing where I run the ropes and then I fake them out and I do the pose. That's a thing. But at the end of the day, Naito works very hard in all his matches as much as his character is, I don't care about anything and I'm going to throw the belt up in the air. And I think Jay White is in a similar position of having to figure out the middle ground of being the character of the Switchblade and just going in there and wrestling well. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: No, I I, I agree. Um, I think he's I think he's getting better and better at it all the time. I think he you know, the the suplex stuff that he added, like all the Saito suplex and the you know, how he hits it from like really cool positions, the snap Saito suplex and the you know, the half Nelson suplex he added. I think he's slowly developing a move salt that or moonset that works for him. Um, but like I don't I don't know. I think it's uh I think it's still a process clearly, but um, you know, just I, I mean I honestly think the bigger problem with this match is Michael Elgin, who, you know, he 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 did have one surprisingly good match. Um, but I just he hasn't been very good this year. And like he looked really gassed in this match, uh, to me again. But yeah, I mean like but I but I totally get the critique and I think Jay White probably just needs to just needs a little more time maybe to find that balance. But um but yeah, so that not not the greatest of openers here.
0: But I'm with you. I think he is a good wrestler. I do like a lot of his move set that he is using. I think it's just finding, like I said, and Naito obviously when he came back, there was no question that he's a good wrestler. I mean, he was a good wrestler even when no one cared about him. Yeah. Um, back in the day, the the question is just figuring out. I guess the mixture of how much of this is my character and how much of this is I'm just going out and I'm going to have as, you know, a good match with x y and z
1: yeah but that was the opener uh match number two the suzuki versus yoshihashi suzuki won in 13 44th the got style pile driver which was his first win at this point in the tournament moving to one and two whereas yoshihashi at this point was still winless at zero and three yeah i didn't really hate this match i just was not into it at all the crowd was dead for it uh yoshihashi just just when i was already not into it put suzuki in a, in a stupid fucking butterfly lock for like a goddamn hour. I uh, just, you know, I thought it was just way too long and boring for the obvious result of Suzuki hitting his power driver and winning. And I actually want to and a half on it. I just did not like it.
0: I agree. I also thought it was pretty boring and I have been cast in the role amongst some people I know as the Yoshihashi cheerleader. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but this match was not good. So. I usually
1: see I. I liked him more in the past, but like this year, like ever since he had that disappointing match with Naito and just, he's just been like nothing this year. I don't know if he's just like the booking is finally getting to him or what, but like, I've liked him a lot more in the past than I, than I have this year. I just, he just does not feel like anything's there. Now he does have a good, a good match coming up in a couple of shows, I believe, but I guess we'll get to that in a second.
0: Well, and you've got more people now slotting in ahead of him. So he either has to get a lot better or he has to move down the card. And I think the option has been he moves down the card. I mean, unless he's going to start passing. I mean, Juice has passed him. I think we could say that for sure. Jay White is certainly ahead of him in the booking in terms of importance. I mean, Hangman Page now is probably ahead of him. So there's a lot of people who have jumped ahead of him, and he hasn't gotten better. He's not – I mean, as I said, I'm probably a cheerleader for him. I don't think he's bad. But yeah. I think he is kind of where he is in that he's going to be in this lower mid-card spot and he's going to wrestle in these G1s. I mean, maybe he's not in next year's G1s, but he's going to have a handful of matches where you go, oh, that was pretty good. And the rest yeah, you're exactly. going to say, oh, they're not that good.
1: Uh, Evil and Togi Macave was the third match here. Evil got the win in 10-16 with the Evil. Uh, that was Maccabee's first loss. He started out 2 0. Um, yeah, this was just a, a good, hard hitting, simple match. I enjoyed this one. They had a cool little lariat exchange up on the concourse. That was pretty fun. Um, just a, a pretty, per- like a perfect finish, which is like, it was simple, but like Evil, Evil won the lariat battle. They had a lariat battle at the end, which, you know, these are two big, strong guys having, you know, being physical. It makes sense. Evil won the lariat battle, and then he hit his move, and then he won. <laughs> Pretty simple. But yeah, I gave the three and a half. I liked it a lot. I think Maccabi's having an awesome tournament. Yeah, I
0: think he's having a great tournament. He's probably the one person in the A block who I would say is over-delivering what I expected. I think everyone else is either delivering or under-delivering.
1: Page a little. Page a little to me. It might be over-delivering.
0: Yeah, but at the beginning of the tournament, if I said, okay, in the A block, everyone is going to deliver or under-deliver except one person.
1: I'm not sure if you
0: would say, ah, the person I hope really over delivers is Makabe. It's
1: true. But you
0: know, you can't, I mean, he's having, he's having good matches, which this is the year to do it. If this is not his last year, which I don't think it is. Uh, I can't imagine it is. um, Because I think coming down the road, the G1 is going to be a tight ticket. So anything you can do to say, Hey, you were in it last year and you had a bunch of great matches and you overperformed. Sure. We'll bring yeah. you back again.
1: Maybe that was, uh, maybe maybe that was one of the reasons that he's doing so well. I don't know, but yeah, he's having a great tournament, and Akavi haters can kiss my butt. <laughs> the semi main, Tanahashi and Bad Luck Fale. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so Tanahashi and Fale have had some surprisingly good matches in the past. This was not one of them. Uh, it was really really dull early on um then targeted folly's leg which was not very interesting because folly cannot sell for shit and that was not really fun and folly then completely blew off that leg work and pretend it didn't happen so which has kind of been like an unfortunate theme on you know on for these shows but like you know some limb work getting blown off really quickly and meaning nothing in the rest of the match but it was very it's, it to me it's even worse when like even the the actual getting there was not interesting at all. Like the fuck, it was not fun at all to get to that point because, like, you know, just that he he cannot sell his leg. It's not watching Bad Luck Fale sell his leg. It's not fun. Like there are there are matches where the limb work is interesting and enjoyable. So maybe I don't care as much that you know it wasn't. Um, the match itself wasn't great by the end. But yeah, this was not one of them. This was no good. Um. So yeah, they, they look like they blew up like a cradle and sling blade sequence at one point, and I kind of had to get back on the same page. Um and Tanahashi did it was a cool little counter. he counted the bad look fall on the sling blade, then he hit the high fly flows, the crowd went nuts, and I was already like, well, at least it ended strong, and then here came the fucking interference. Um They even kind of screwed up the gunstone on Tana run-in. Like it looked really weird and stupid. I don't know what they, if they missed if Tanahashi missed time going down or what, but like it just looked bad. Um, it was like to me that that like summed up this fucking BCOG shit. And then you know I will give them that Red Shoes just like seeing all the carnage. Obviously he can't really prove that it happened, but he knows enough to know that it happened and decided to just flip them off and DQ DQ it uh, folly instead of counting the pin for the for the gun stun. That was it. Inter- that was it. Funny and pretty cool. Not good, but it was didn't didn't make the match good or anything. Um, but like the re- it just came like off like why don't the refs do this all the time? But yeah, it was a funny spot where Reggie just took them off. But yeah, fuck that match. One star. That's my review.
0: I don't like Falle in general as a wrestler. So, i th- I watch every G. I watch every G one match. I mean the actual G one matches. Yeah, me too.
1: I've watched everyone go back to 2013. So I know it, people people probably are like, let's why don't you skip this? Why don't you skip Elgin? Why don't you skip that? I've watched everyone since twenty thirteen. I'm not gonna stop now. I'm too stubborn.
0: But if I would skip, Folly would probably be <laughs> number one on my on my skip list. Oh yeah.
1: Folly and Tonga would be getting skipped every time.
0: And the worst part of that, I just talked about Makabe, you know, saying, oh, you know, maybe if I do well, I'll get in, you know, I'll I'll stay in next year. Fale has no such motivation. He's going to be in as long as he wants to be because he's the big guy who, you know, is feared, you know, is feared because he's so big and people beat him and they, you know, it's so great or, you know, whatever the usual New Japan booking with him is. So he has no motivation really to be any better because he'll always be there. He'll be booked exactly the same as a huge monster who can beat people up. And, you know, as I mentioned before, the interference, I don't like it. I don't want it. So I was with you. Didn't like the match.
1: Main event, because of J.K. and Hangman Page. Um, I should note at this point, I was basically thinking this this needs to be really good to save the show to degree because we've had two, you know, you know, two, three and a half star matches might be good for like a WWE pay-per-view or something. But like for, for a fucking G1 show, that's not, that's not anything that special. And the other two matches I thought sucked. So really needed a good match here to, to save the show. Um, fortunately, they delivered a really good match. Um, Okada beat Hangman Page in 1731 with the Rainmaker, his first one of the G1 after starting out 0-2. Um, the first thing I noticed right away is Okada needed to reapply his hair dye. It was getting really faded um <laughs> going into this match which he later would do so that's good um Paige kind of botched a dive early on which um you know he just like kind of didn't really get far enough on the dive which is like a big flaw of the match but to me he almost saved it by immediately yelling like you piece of shit at the top of his lungs which i don't know why they last so hard but i rewinded it like three times just to see him like scream that at okada out of nowhere it was just such a, such a great little thing. Um, and he also played into, like, so if you're not watching these promos, I've, 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 I've really, like, hammered this point a million times. These promos, the, the post-match promos that go up on YouTube, and they also go up on New Japan World, all of them together with subtitles, if you want to do them that way. Like, they add so much to these shows if you watch the promos. And going into the match, Hangman Page specifically said, he was like, I need the two points, but I don't want to beat the, you know, the, this Okada, this Okada who, uh, you, know, that, you know, basically sucks now. I want the real Okada. I want the champion. I want to, that's who I want to beat. That's who I want to test myself with. Total babyface promo. And I have to say, Hangman, is it just me or is Hangman Page way more interesting as a babyface? Because I feel like he's been a heel this entire, his pretty much entire career, starting out with Decade. But ever since he's you know, clearly on the babyface side of the, the Bullet Club split, like his promos have been way more fun, and he's just been way more Like – I'm into babyface hangman page. I think he's actually pretty good at it.
0: So I don't know if I was just beaten down by a bunch of the matches before being not to my liking. I thought the match was fine.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't like it as much as I did.
0: The thing about Hangman Page to me is I watch him and I'm like, wow, he does a lot of things I like, but I don't really care about (laughs) him. Like, I recognize that he's a good wrestler and he wrestles well, but at the end of the day, I always feel
1: like the matches end and I just kind of shrug and move on. See, that's how I usually am with him to some degree, but I actually think he's far better as a face so far than he was as a heel. I think he's like pretty likable and makes it easier for him. So I, I think to maybe being a face might be the what's going to turn the corner for him. Um, but yeah, so he had like a really cool gonzo Driver at one point, which I guess kind of makes sense that he would lift that from his new buddy, uh, Kenny Omega, after it was like a big part of Omega finally beating Okada. So I thought that was cool. They did like a really cool top rope, like uh, swinging neck that just looked brutal. Uh, the crowd was like so into Page here, like almost shockingly into Page. Um, you know, chanting the, the hangman, hangman chants. And then, you know, part of that with Japanese wrestling crowds is always that they, um, you know, they they basically want they, they want to root for an underdog a lot of the time. But yeah, they just, they seem to be into him. And, you know, Okada, like basically Paige kept using that buckshot lariat. And on the third time, Okada finally had it scouted and was able to counter it, which I thought was cool. He just, Paige just went to the well one too many times. I like little internal stories like that. Um and then, you know, basically do, like, a Rainmaker counter into a power bomb, And this awesome rolling elbow by Page. That was really cool little spot. And then Okada, like, busted out this weird, like, roll, not really a Rainmaker, like a, a rolling lariat, which he had never really done before. And that seems to be, like, his new big setup move now. Uh, and then he got the Rainmaker and the pin. So, um, but, yeah, I, I definitely like this match a lot more than you. I get some of the critiques. There's a little sloppy in spots. And that's why I can't go any higher than this. But I like the story they were telling. You know, I liked I liked page works here, Paige's work here a lot. Um, I thought Okada was good here, and I thought it was a really good match. I went four and a quarter. But anything else to add about the match? Uh no. Okay. But I thought it saved the show to degree. I thought it was a really good match, and as long as I got one really good match, I'm happy. Just a block in general, not free some really bad crap on this show though so uh but back to b block the last show july 21st at and hall it opened up with a true a true ring classic koto ibushi and Toriano. uh ibushi or lost to yano in 823 giving yano his first win to move to one and two in 823 with a schoolboy um so yeah this was uh this was really good Toriano managed to get two like the two biggest pops of all time, I think, for amateur takedowns at the start of this match. Like, the crowd was going crazy for his amateur takedowns. Um, then basically uh, Ibushi did, like, this... What the fuck was that movie Did up the top rope pretty early on? Do you know? It was like a... Was that a Phoenix splash? Because it looked... It looked, like, just really weird. Yeah, no, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. But it was a really crazy top rope move. Um... then to me peak Kota Ibushi he does like some incredible dive and then right after that he like can't figure out how untying things works because like everybody else is like or Yano had like untied a bunch of the turnbuckle pads and Ibushi like couldn't figure out how to untie it and then eventually just settled on like striking the pad until the pad like popped off I'm like that is peak Kota Ibushi he he can do like some crazy dive on the top rope but he can't figure out how to untie, untie a turnbuckle pad. So um, it became like a, a no turnbuckle pads match. They may have to take off every single one. Uh, Yano like taped Ibushi's hands together, which, you know, the first time he's brought that out, I guess he was getting desperate at 0-2 here. But it makes sense to do that against Kodo Ibushi because then he he literally cannot hit his finisher on you. He can't hit the Kamigoe that way. But it didn't stop him from doing a kick combo or a standing moonsault. Um, Yano tried the Oni Bomb, which failed, but he got the pin anyway. So, and then Ibushi, like, he's so sort of disappointed on getting schoolboyed by, like, jumping straight up in the air like a dolphin breaking water or something. It was just awesome. Um, Yeah, I went three and three quarters. This was fucking great. Yeah, it was a fun match. The, the Ibushi hands tied
0: together still doing moves section was probably my favorite part where it's just like, Oh, my hands are tied together, but I'll do a standing moon. and I'll do this move that I can. And it's like, he's like, I don't have to get it. I don't have to get out of, you know, this tape.
1: I'm fine. I'll keep wrestling. Yeah. He's very, but he, by the way, he went, I don't know if you watched the promo, but he went all the way in the back with his hands still taped and basically did a little promo with his hands still taped together. And I was like, it's just really funny. Pete Kota Ibushi. Um, but yeah, so that was uh that was a very cool opener. And um, you know, he continues to have awesome matches in the Toriano. I mean, he continues to have awesome matches in this G1. Uh, but yeah, so then we get to the next one, which is Sonata against Zach Saber Jr. Sonata got the pin with the Japanese leg roll clutch in 1045, which moved him to two and one, uh, dropped Zach down to one and two. Uh, there was a really funny gag at the start of this where like Zach could not escape Sonata's full Nelson. I, I like little cags like that, and Zach did a he did a really good job, like just telling his like utter frustration with the entire situation. Um, on the other hand, I thought the the straight jacket counters like went on too long, which is an example of like a a too cute by half Zachism. But Sonata, like he, you know, basically it was a cool little spot though where he let Sonata win the backslide fight, like they were fighting over backslide, just so he can immediately counter into Kamura. That was pretty cool. Um, and then there was like a, a, the finishing stretch is really cool with like uh, Zach constantly having the skull encountered, but Sonata just catching him with the the leg roll clutch hold from behind for the pin. Um, he's fast becoming the king of the flash pin in the G one, which is you know pretty cool little thing for him. But yeah, I went I went three and a half on this fun match. I thought better than the New Japan Cup match.
0: I really liked this match. I went four stars. The thing I really liked is in most in most, maybe 99% of Zack Sabre Jr. matches. He is the technical wizard and and everyone gets caught in the moves and they go, ah, I can't get out. I'm in a, you know, whatever hold. Oh, you're so smart. I can't get out of this. And I really liked it. It was very even. Sonata was never, it was in a way, anything you can do, I can do better. And they seemed very even, which was exciting for me for a Zack Saber Jr. match where I'm so used to him just putting people in holds and they go, Ah, I got out and now I'm gonna kick you or something. I'm you know, I like the exchange and I think it was a lot more fun putting Zach on an even level technical technically, because there was a lot of fun back and forth. Like you said, the full Nelson at the beginning. Uh that was really fun. The counters. I think that's a lot more exciting then Zack Sabre Jr. grabbing your arm and sitting on you and then looking around and grabbing your leg and flexing his muscles and the person having to go, oh, I'm in the hold, I'm in the hold. I'm, you know, oh, now you move to a different hold. So I really liked it. I thought it was a, a a, a breath of fresh air. As someone who, and I think I mentioned this Last time I was on the show, I've started to I've started to lose interest in Zach's matches, yeah. um, a bit. And I think that this was a really fun way where I said, "Oh, this is something, you know, this is something new I've never seen before. This is less of a Zach Saber Jr. match," and I think that's one. Way I've kind of soured on him is that I feel like he wrestles a style of match, which is a Zack Saber Jr. match.
1: You feel that way about the Kota one? Because to me, I thought that was a, another one that was not really a Zack style of match at all, on the why I love Well,
0: so the the thing about it is the times when he doesn't wrestle Zack Saber Jr. matches is when he's in there who when he's in there with someone who is either equal or better than him talent-wise, I mean, Ibushi, Naito, I mean, all these guys who are so good, you know, top 15 wrestlers in the world, I think that they could probably go in and say, hey, I want to wrestle this style, and Zach's not going to say, oh, we can only wrestle, you know, XYZ style. But especially having watched a lot of Evolve um, and less Japan stuff, it seems like when he wrestles those matches, it's, ah here's the things I do. And this is a Zack Sabre Jr. match. And it's going to be, I'm going to put you in submission holds and you're going to fight out. And I'm going to keep putting you in submission holds, which to me is part of why I've lost interest. But I thought that this was really fun, a back and forth. Something you don't really ever see with Zack Sabre Jr. is a technical back and forth. Uh, So that's why I really loved it. And like I said, I went four stars.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it was a really good match. And I think Zach's having a great tournament in part because he's not doing, you know, the Zach Sabre Jr. stuff. All right. Up next, we have Juice Robinson to see a Naito. Naito defeated Juice in 1643 at the Destino to move to 2 and 1, dropping Juice to 0 3. Um, so, okay. I thought they had a really weirdly disappointing Intercontinental title match last year. It was really like the only black mark of no on uh, Naito's, like, really incredible 2017. Um, I thought they really made up for it here. and had an awesome match. Um, you know, Naito, the only big complaint I have about it is that the Naito spent a lot of time attacking Juice's injured hand, and it didn't play at all into the finish, which has been a common complaint I've had on these, on these G1 matches. But unlike the folly stuff with the leg, at least the actual, like, working on the hand, like, getting there was really fun. So I can forgive it a little more because of that. Um... But, like, Naito just, he did a lot of really cool stuff with that, where, like, he went to do his corner sweep drop kick combo, but uh, when Juice went to cover his face, he just kicked him right in the injured hand instead, which was awesome. Um, with his sliding drop kick, he hit him right in the in the, the, the hand in the cast. Um, he did, like, a really nasty-looking hammer lock for a while. It was good. Good stuff there. Um, then Juice, like, rolled through a top rope Rana ran from Naito, which is a really awesome near fall. Um Naito did this crazy flip cell on Juice's like, I don't know what kind of kick it's called, like a, not a bicycle kick, really. But oh, like the leg kind of, lariat? Yeah, it's like a leg, I guess it's a leg lariat, yep. And that was cool. Um, There's like a little sort of botch on the reverse Rana, but they managed to get it back together. Um, Juice decided to try and top Naito then, but like he landed like the dire- like a very Naito-esque cell job where like he landed directly on his neck somehow, taking the running forearm. Um, then there was like a, some really cool Desino Pulp Friction counters, and then Naito got the Destino at the end and got the win. Uh, yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was really awesome. I went four and a half, so I was close uh, by
0: you. I really liked it. One thing we were talking about, Naito always putting himself in the most danger possible. When Juice had him in the Pulp Friction or getting ready for the Pulp Friction, I thought back to their last match where yeah. Naito took it, like, on the top of his head.
1: Like, he just was like, I'm going to take this fucking move, head fucking first. And I like, was like, oh, no, he's going to hit this move. He's going to land on the top of his head. Oh, God bless Naito. I hope he doesn't have, like, brain damage. Um, but, yeah, Naito's incredible. He's, you know, I I think, to, you know, we're only three matches in, obviously, but to me, he's the MVP of this tournament so far. And I've even heard people that maybe, you know, I'm very biased towards Naito. No one's ever going to deny that. But I've heard people who don't, who aren't maybe like always as fond of Naito, who seem to agree that he's, if not the MVP, like in the running. Like I did that. um, I did, I actually polled my Twitter, like, you know, who do you have for your top five in the G1 so far? And Naito's name was near the top of almost every list that came back to me, you know, even from some people who don't necessarily always feel that way. So, you know, after a very quiet first half of the year, it kind of looks like now, you know, he just they didn't have him in a lot of big stuff. In the first half of the year, and he was maybe taking it easy, knowing that he was going to go crazy in the G1. And so far, he's gone really crazy. So, you know, we'll see if he can keep it up for six more matches. But yeah, I mean, he's been incredible so far. And he's still got some big matches left. He's still got a Bushi. I mean, they might like destroy each other in that match. He's still got Zach on the, at Budokan. He's still got, uh, you know, he's, what the hell does he have? I mean, he has Tomatonga, unfortunately. But, um, you know, he's got a bunch of guys coming up still. He's still got Yano, which will be, you know, could be really fun at least. He's still got Sonata, which could be an incredible match. So, and that'll be a main event too. But yeah, I mean, he's having an outstanding tournament. I think he's, uh, you know, obviously a favorite of the show. And I'll never, definitely not going to complain that he's having a really, really fantastic tournament.
0: Yeah, if he's not the top, he's in the, I mean, Ishii's up there. Yeah. Goto's probably up there. So if he's not the top, he's in easily, I think,
1: the top three. Yeah. Um, but like now, of course, that does make people I think that could, that should. That will and should make people suspicious. If he's saving himself to have the G run the G one run of his life, maybe it's cause he's winning the thing. Who the fuck knows, right? But it wouldn't surprise me. But then again, he won it last year and he kinda like just kinda had like a really good bookend of to the tournament. He kinda Went to a little bit of slumber in the middle, so who knows, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think he's already having a better tournament than he did last year, I think. Um, but of course, last year he had a lot, a lot of other good matches in the first half of the year that he didn't really have this year. So yeah, I think he's putting himself back into a conversation as like you know, like a most outstanding type. We can keep it up. All right, right semi-final Kenny Omega and Tamatanga. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> So Tawa first of all, comes out with Tonga and Badluck That is the only three members of Bullet Club OG, folks. There are, like, fucking ten people on... I mean, I guess I guess Haku is also... Excuse me, Haku. Haku. Thank yeah. you. He's not here, so who cares? There's, like, ten other members of Bullet Club Elite. You know, like, five of them on this show alone. Why the fuck did Kay not bring any of them out on this? Did, did he just think Tawatanga wasn't going to have rampant interference? Um, but, yeah, so... They, I will give the Tongan side credit. They finally figured out, you know, only took them, you know, what, like uh, six shows to figure out maybe they should jump the guy before the match so they don't get DQ'd. Um, So that's what they did here before the action, before the bell rang, they all jumped Kenny, but the elite guys actually showed up to make the save. So that's good, I guess. Um, After that, we had Tama like yelling at him. I don't know what the fuck he couldn't really make out anything he was saying. Um, Tama was doing like a normal suplex and Kenny was screaming like he was being murdered like two minutes into the match, which, you know, if you're going to sell like that, you need to do a lot more pre-match than they did. They really just beat him up a little bit. It was like, why are you yelling like you're being brutally murdered off a suplex two minutes into this match? Um, they did a spot where Tama was supposed to get his knees up uh, for the, you know, for the, I get for Kenny's like moonsault but forgot kind of, and it looked like he didn't really get them up. So Kenny had to sell for just hitting a moonsault across Tama's lower Tama's legs, which really should not have hurt him at all. Um, we got the V trigger spam starting like five minutes in, which clearly meant this wasn't going to be very long. Uh, Tama Tonga took an apron power bomb on his ass, which I guess might be safer. I had like someone yelling at me on Twitter that it was safer, but like it looked like shit. So maybe just, if if Tama Taga doesn't want to take an apron powerbomb, you know, maybe just don't have him do an apron powerbomb then. Maybe don't do an apron powerbomb to him if he's not willing to take the move in a way that's actually going to look painful. Because it looked like he was just like gently dropping him out of the apron on his butt. Like it didn't look very painful or dangerous at all. Um, they really fucked up the timing on like Tama pushing Kenny into the ropes so Tonga Loa could like throw a chair in his face. So Kenny had to like stand there with his hands up waiting for like a good like you could like count a couple seconds, like a beat of him standing there, like, uh, hit me, please, before Tonga Loa threw the chair in his face. That was the point where I started laughing and like replaying it. So it was we were like in funny bat at least. Um and then Tomatonga just it's the gunshot on red shoes, once everybody's running in and takes the DQ. So Kenny goes to three and in nine fifty-five, Tomatonga goes to one and two. Yeah, this is gonna get half a star. That's my rating for this match. This match fucking sucked. Um, It was no good. I guess you could argue it was more of an angle than a match, but even the actual match stuff that they tried to do was really bad, and I fucking hated it. The worst match that she won so far.
0: It was bad. (laughs) I don't really have anything else to say. It was not a good match. You know, it is one of those things where... If... Tomatongo was gonna have a good, if he was gonna have a good match, like a really good match. This was probably the match to do it. Yeah, and it <laughs> clearly didn't happen, <laughs> which bodes very poorly for the rest of the tournament. At this point, I don't know. At this point, I th- I think.